It is here where exactly four years ago, 34 mine workers were killed during a confrontation with the police. Thousands of mine workers at Lonmin had embarked on an unprotected industrial action demanding a monthly salary of 12,500 rand. Ten more people, including mine security and police officers, were killed on the days preceding the 16 August tragedy. Itumile Khajane is there. Today, thousands of mine workers are expected to gather at the Kopi in Voner Kop to commemorate the deaths of their fallen colleagues. However, the question remains, did this bring any change to the lives of the locals? Many here say more still needs to be done to better their lives in this platinum-rich area. It saddens me because some people lost their lives during that day. Some of us are unemployed. Our relatives died here. We would like to see major changes. Though it's better now, we want more changes. We want changes where people will live in proper houses. Amnesty International released a damning report about how Lonmin has failed to deliver adequate housing for its workforce in Marigana. However, the platinum mine giant says it has made great strides to provide workers with the necessary housing. Spokesperson Heping Koma says 500 million rand has been set aside to continue building houses for employees. We have then moved on and got into partnership with government to build uh, rental units that they can live in, um, as well as RTP houses because we wanted to do integrated developments. That being done, we've moved to the next phase. What we have also done is that in between the hostels, because it took a long time to build those government units because of the processes that are involved. Now, in between hostels, we've got a lot of land that has already services in it because we found what takes time is the services. Nkoma also says offense of the slain mine workers have been registered at different private schools and the mine pays their tuition. He says the mine has also employed some of the widows who are currently working at different shafts of the mine in Marigana. For some, this is an opportunity to make a little income. They sell different food items to those attending the commemorative event. I will sell them fat cakes, stew, steak and porridge. I am making a little income so that I can provide for my children, so that they can go to school without any challenges. Thousands, including mine workers and political leaders, are converging here to commemorate this historical day. The surviving families and widows of the deceased will also participate in honoring those that passed. AMCO President Joseph Matunja is expected to give a keynote address at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Itumelen Kajani, Marikana. Let's uh, stay with uh, this story right now and uh, we'll be talking to uh, the Lonmin spokesperson and that's uh, Happy Nkoma. Nkoma, good to be talking to you. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. Um, and good Thank you very much for, for, for joining us. What is the role of Lonmin in the fourth, fourth commemoration of uh, the events that happened in 2012? Well, as, uh, on the commemorative event itself, it is an event for our employees. And as you have heard earlier, AMC takes the lead as the lead union. They are the recognized union with, uh, in, in our bargaining unit. So they represent our, our workers, our bargaining unit uh, of, of employees. So they take lead in coordinating the event. We provide them the support that we can, such as through infrastructure, 
and other amenities, but it is mainly them that coordinate the event. And we support them and, and uh, take the cue from their, their direction. All right, so, so but uh, you're not taking a lead at all here? Well, as I say, the workers uh, commemoration, and uh, they obviously it makes sense that the workers should be the one leading it. All right. Uh, earlier on uh, this morning, uh, my colleague uh, Sakina Kamwendo spoke to David Van Veig from uh, the Benchmark Foundation, and he made some serious allegations. Let's take a listen, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to engage you further on that. Categorically, say no. There hasn't been any uh, justice for the victims of the Marikana massacre, um, simply because uh, a lot of the, a lot of water has gone under the bridge. There's been a commission of inquiry. The commission of inquiry made recommendations to the government, to the mining company, to shareholders of the mine, mining company, and yet none of those recommendations, except for uh, the recommendations relating to the police and Ria Piecha, have been carried out. Now, the problem with with that is that. We said as the Benchmarks Foundation, before the commission started, we should look at the mining industry as a whole and the problems within the industry and the problems with the regulation of that particular industry in the country and not just at the six days that led to the massacre itself because the massacre was an event uh, symptomatic of underlying problems within the industry as a whole, problems relating to the law, problems relating to the constitution, and problems relating to the underlying conditions in which communities surrounding mines live. And if you were just to go into that a little bit, you know, what are some of those problems? Well, first of all, the migrant labor system in this country is inherited from apartheid. It's a cheap labor system which uh, had workers housed in hostels, single men's hostels, which were appalling. They were Nazi-like concentration camp-style housing. And at the time of the Farham Commission, when we visited Lonman Mines hostels, we saw 8 to 10, 12 workers sometimes in a room living there. Farham himself visited that. And at that particular point, Lonman was already almost eight, nine years into the um, uh, agreements that it had made with regard to its social and labor plan to convert those hostels into uh, family accommodation. Since the Farlem Commission, they have converted those hostels into family accommodation. However, where they could house 15,000 people before in the hostels, they can now uh, basically house about 3,000 people. So the bulk of the people, about 13,000 or more people, are now living in the squatter camp of Ikaneng, and the conditions in the squatter camp are absolutely appalling. Whose responsibility is it, though, to see to it that people are adequately housed? Well, I think that this is where the legislative problem comes in. The MPRDA, that's the Minerals Petroleum Resources Development Act, gives this responsibility to the Department of Mineral Resources. And the prime responsibility of mineral resources is to promote mining. Instead of giving this responsibility to the Department of Housing or the Department of Urban Development or or, 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 or the relevant department, the same goes with environmental legislation and labor legislation and health and safety uh, regulations. The, the Department of Mineral Resources has become a super department that does not have the capacity to actually enforce the very law that gives it uh, superpowers and has relegated other departments in the country to secondary departments in mining. Uh, Other departments have no say over the sector. Yet in all other businesses, if I run a business, the Department of Labor will control my labor relations. The Department of Environment will control my environmental impact. You know, the relevant departments, the Department of Social Welfare and so on. So, um, but with mining, because of the pressure of the mining industry on the government, uh, they've created a super law for a department that does not have the capacity to carry out that law.
Are there any consequences for people not meeting deadlines? Well, I think that uh, Longman is 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 the stark example of where social, the social and labour plan simply was not implemented. Now, the fact of the matter is that the social and labour plan. Um, Lonman took over a constitutional responsibility of providing housing, which it never carried out. And for having taken over that responsibility of the state, it can actually be taken to the constitutional court. And, and, and people should think about doing that. You know, um, but if you look at any mine in South Africa on Google Earth, you will find an informal settlement next to it because of this thing called the, the living out allowance and the conversion of the hostels into accommodation that can no longer accommodate all the workers, but only some of the workers. Right, and that was David van Veek from Benchmark Foundation. We'll come back to the spokesperson at Lonmin, a happy in coma at 20 minutes past 12. What's an afternoon without Midday Live? Only on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. And our top story this hour, residents of the mining, uh, Marikana mining, to Marikana, and uh, we speak to uh, Herpin Koma, the spokesperson at Lonmin. Thanks for staying on the line, Mr. Koma. Let's uh, pick up from uh, where David van Weyck uh, of uh, Benchmark Foundation left off when he's talking about the social and labor plan not being implemented, particularly by yourselves. The issue of uh, housing, for instance, you're supposed to house uh, quite a, a big number. I mean, the numbers of uh, eight, 10,000, but only 3,000 were housed now when you turn those units into family units. These are some of the issues that were raised coupled with the 12,500 rand wage demand uh, that led to the the killing of the 44 people there. So why have you not implemented the recommendations from the Falam Commission then? Okay, thank you very much and thank you. I think your guest was contradicting himself. Um, for starters, he actually mentioned that we had committed that by the end of 2014 we will have converted our hostels. Yes, we used to have hostels, single-sex hostels, that accommodated 18 men per room. Yeah. Now, we changed each room into either a bachelor unit or we changed it into a one-bedroom family unit. Um, we committed that we would have this done as part of our SLP by the end of November 2014. We did that. He accepted that we did that. Then turns around and say we didn't do it. So we did. It was done. It was completed on time in November 2014. The, yes, the, the, then it created an unintended challenge in the sense that by us doing that, we could accommodate previously 18,000 people in those hostels. Now, because we are, they are single uh, units for families, we can only accommodate between 2,500 and 3,000, mm. which you also accept. Mm. But then still turns around and says, we haven't done it. So I, I, I just don't like the sensationalism we, we are seeing here. But either as it may, I think let it be heard by you and your listeners that we did it. We stuck to, to, our, to, to our deadline. We completed did it. Did November. it make sense, though, did it make sense, though, for, for, the, uh, for the mind to exclude so many, so many people, uh, you know, uh, whilst trying to, yes, uh, adhere to, to the recommendations of the, of the Falam Commission, uh, but reducing it, it the number of people that, uh, that you could accommodate? It wasn't about uh, maybe just the Falam Commission, nor was it about excluding other people. It's about making better living conditions. Remember, he rightly said we inherited this from apartheid. These are apartheid systems of migrant laborers who, I mean, you can imagine, those rooms are not big. They're basically the size of a bachelor unit and people are were, were stuck in like saddlings. It wasn't good conditions. That's why 
we planned and agreed to change it into more affordable car accommodation, into much more amenable accommodation. The challenge with that is that then when you had 18 people, you put one person, 17 people are left outside. I mean, you can do the numbers. That's why I'm saying it was an unintended uh, bad consequence of this. So what, what's now the... in the meantime? Mm. Yeah, I wanted to get to the next issue to say. So what did we then do to make sure that we look, we find, assist the other seventeen people that had no accommodation? What we then did was we then we had land, which was we had fifty hectares of land that had services in it. So the next issue was building houses on that. So we partnered with government, uh, Department of Housing, uh, and 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 built a mixed use. Um, integrated housing uh, complex there. It was 292 uh, what you would call RDP units, although they call them BNG now, so that those who are in the area, because the other thing is you also have an influx of people in the area who don't have accommodation, who don't have employment, who also need housing. So they would get those RDP housing. Then 252 of those other units we built were rental units, which were in the form of flats, out of which we had agreed that our employees who were employed would actually in those. The idea was that with time, we then complete about 1,500 of those units. So in, in, time, in time, what, what's the timeline there? Well, the timeline is, you know, phase one was completed. The third news is, talking about the law around the mine, the third news is, as soon as it was completed, there was a big issue about the occupation of those units. As we speak right now, people have actually invaded those units. Our employees are not staying there. We're not sure who are actually staying there. It has become right. a matter between the state and those invaders. Let's let's move on to so other issues, uh, Mr. Koma, because uh, housing is uh, you know one of the main issues that were raised that led to what we we have today. This is situa- situation yeah. that we have the issue of uh, remuneration of wages. What have you done from 2012 to the start of the Falam Commission to the recommendations oh. of the Falam Commission in terms of uh, uh, bettering the, the the salaries of uh, of your employees? Okay, before I answer that, can I complete the housing issue so that we don't have... Can you wrap it up quickly because we need to move on to the other issues. Yeah, all I wanted to say was that realizing that working through virgin land and working with the government process takes a long time, what we did is that within the, as I explained earlier, in between the hostels we've got available land. We've built flats there. We've completed one set in career. We've committed 500 million over a period of five years to build those flats for our workers. All right, let's move to the salary issues now. Now, the salary issues, as you see, we have an agreement with the union. I mean, we, we've got to phase it over time, improve salaries. It's not just salaries. There's also issues of indebtedness. That as much as people get better salaries, they, they take more money out. At the end of the day, you find that what really is an issue is what gets into their pockets. Because you've got a lot of unscrupulous uh, letters who are involved. You also have themselves not managing their money very well. So what in, in partnership with the workers and the union, we've been doing two things. While we're negotiating better salaries, we're also working with them to actually educate them and deal with them. Is, is loan mean so in, a, in, a, go, in a good space it. today? Is loan mean in a good space, a better space today than it was before the, the 2012 events, OCA 16 events, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the relations with, with the workers, in terms of uh, what you give the workers, in terms of uh, improving the working and living conditions of your... Would you say it's a good space? Yes, it is in a much better space. Uh, we, we have a better relationship with our workers. I mean, uh, we we are also working closely in terms of making sure that they they get a better lot in life. We know we would want to be like any other company in South Africa and the, the current socioeconomic issues, but I think we are in a far much better space than even most employers.